breeze. Buck Benny, the two-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never misses. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show, followed by the Phil Harris Show and then another Jack Benny Show. We start with Jack's show from 1948. This episode features the Coleman's, and when they are on, it is amazing. Just the quality of the show, the depth that the show can go into. It can go much, just a different direction than it usually goes. And, and I think this is one of the absolute classic, classic episodes. Um, and then also, the later Jack Benny show we're going to bring you from 1938 is also an ultra-classic episode. The very first uh, racetrack episode, so that will be a lot of fun. What's awesome about both these episodes is those guys at the Cobalt Club just do amazing work sometimes, and where they found these episodes, I don't know, but uh, the quality of both of them, sometimes I'll, you know, I'll always compare the quality of the episode I played last time, when I aired these five years ago, to the, the quality of the newest episodes that I have, listen to the sound quality difference. This was such an easy call to make. Very much improved sound. A lot of the pops missing and taken out in the 1938 episode. The 1948 episode had um, just some kind of tinniness and some issues with the sound that just are gone with this uh, new one that we're replacing it with. So I hope you're going to enjoy both of these wonderful shows. The first racetrack tout show and... The Coleman's going to the movies with Jack. Just a hilarious, hilarious bits in here. Uh, and then in between, of course, the Phil Harris show. It's all about Willie moving in uh, with uh, Phil and Alice. And uh, I don't know, Willie, uh, we haven't talked much about Willie, but for me, uh, the Willie character doesn't work all that well. Um, it's just kind of the treatment that they used to do of the nerd sort of character and have it be just uh, milk toast and all of that. Um, and now uh, we kind of respect nerds with the whole uh, Big Bang Theory and so forth, and it's just uh, a different feeling. And, and uh, I just find that his character doesn't work as well as, as it did probably at the time. The shows are fantastic. I love having Phil and I love having Alice and having all these great shows available and where we can link them up to Jack's show from the same date. Both, of course, the 1948 Jack episode and Phil episode played back-to-back and now you're going to hear them back-to-back for the first time probably in 70 years. So pretty incredible. Uh, Anyway, I hope you enjoy all three shows and uh, we will talk to you next time about more Jack Benny and Phil Harris. Enjoy. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Front page news. In the nation's great tobacco markets, the famous Crosley Poll has just finished asking independent tobacco experts, what cigarette do you smoke? Over 50% more named Lucky Strike than any other brand. Yes, by a 50% margin over any other brand... Independent tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice. These experts are the independent tobacco buyers, auctioneers, and warehousemen. The men who see who buys what tobacco at the auctions. And when independent tobacco experts like these name Lucky Strike first choice for personal smoking enjoyment, then you know. L-S-M-F-T. 
L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So smoke the smoke, tobacco experts smoke, Lucky Strike. Remember, by a 50% margin over any other brand, independent tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike, first choice. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. gentlemen, last night was a big night in Hollywood. The occasion was a special showing of Ronald Coleman's new picture, A Double Life. Naturally, all the important stars in Hollywood received invitations to attend this gala affair. And while all this was going on, where was our little star? Uh, Rochester, hand me my pajamas. I'm going to bed. Here you are, boss. No, 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 my woolen ones. The nights are awfully cold. I know it's cold, but you've already got three comforters, two quilts, an afghan, and four electric blankets with a direct line to Boulder Dam. <laughs> Never mind. Just turn out the lights and I'll go to sleep. Don't you want me to read to you like I always do? Yes, uh, pick up one of those trade papers, either the variety or the reporter. There okay. Now, let's see. Say, boss, look what it says. What? Tonight at the Academy Theater, there will be a special showing of Ronald Coleman's new Universal International picture, A Double Life. I know, I know. It says all the big stars in Hollywood have been, have been invited to attend. Yeah, I know. Didn't they mail you an invitation? Well, frankly, I don't know whether they did or not. I, I didn't even bother looking. Oh, boss, come now. What? This morning when the mailman came by, you grabbed his bag and went through it like an octopus with a mix master in each hand. I was looking for a reply from Dorothy Dix. Anyway, who wants to go to a Hollywood premiere? You always see the same people. Barbara Stanwyck will be there with Robert Taylor. Lauren Bacall will be there with Humphrey Bogart. Lana Turner will be there with... Let me see today's paper. <laughs> anyway, Rochester, believe me, I'm not mad because I didn't get an invitation to the preview. As a matter of fact, if Universal Studios, if William Getz, the executive producer, if Ronald Coleman himself called me on the phone right now, I wouldn't go to that... I'll get it, Rochester, I'll get it. Hello? Is this Sam's Meat Market? No, it isn't. <laughs> Who was it, boss? Oh, some guy wanted Sam's Meat Market. Sam's Meat Market? That's the new place down in the corner. They're having a big opening tonight. They are? Didn't you get an invitation to that either? <laughs> I wouldn't go if I did. You always see the same things. Yeah. Liver will be there with bacon. Sirloin will be there Now, with... cut that out. <laughs> Now, Rochester, I'm going to bed, so turn out the light, will you? You'll get it, boss. You'll get it. I've got it. Hello? Hello, Jack. This is Mary. Oh, hello, Mary. I'm glad I caught you. I thought maybe you had already left to see Ronald Coleman's picture. Uh, no, Mary. I was supposed to go, but I don't know. When you've been a star as long as I have, you don't, you don't get excited about those things, you know? Gee, and I thought we could go together. Mm, no, no, Mary. I'm ready for bed. Oh, that's too bad. I have two tickets. 
What? 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 What, what was that, Mary? What, what, what did you say? What did you say, Mary? What? I said I've got, got, got to, 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 to say tickets around the whole street here. Mary, just because you got tickets, you don't have to be so nervous about it. Look, I was ready for bed, but I wouldn't let you down. So while I get dressed, you jump in a cab and pick me up in ten minutes. Okay, Jack. I may be a few minutes late. I want to stop off at the florist and get a course eye. Good, good. <laughs> while you're there, get one for yourself, too. <laughs> Come over as soon as you can. Goodbye. Rochester! Rochester, I'm going to the opening. I knew Sam wouldn't let you down. <laughs> Not the meat market. Now, stop jabbering and help me dress. Hiya, Jackson. The door was open, so I came right in. Oh, hello, Phil. Where are you going? Oh, I promised Mary I'd take her to a special showing of Ronald Coleman's new picture. No kidding, Jackson. You mean you got an invitation? I certainly did. That's why I'm putting on this tuxedo. You may not know it, Phil, but for the past 20 years, I've been rubbing elbows with the most important people in show business. From the looks of them sleeves, you must have been rubbing them pretty hard. <laughs> All right, so it's a little thin around the elbows. Now, pardon me while I get dressed, will you? I'll help you, Jackson. While you're putting on your shirt, I'll button your shoes. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Oh, Rochester, hand me my wing collar, will you please? Yes, sir. Uh-oh. What's the matter? You wear a size 15 and a half collar, and this is only a 14. Oh, that's all right. We can make it work. Put it on. Okay. Here's the collar button. Yeah, I got it. Now, hold still. Boy, this collar's really stiff. Yeah. Just a minute now. Mm. There, I got it. Yeah. How's that, boss? I I guess it's all right, but it's so tight I can hide. <laughs> oh, darn it. Slipped off the collar button. Now, try it again, Rochester. Boss, this collar's too tight for you. Well, pull it harder. I'm getting it. I'm getting... Hold still. There. Gosh, this collar's so tight I can hardly breathe. Phil, how do I look? Like Herbert Hoover with a crew haircut. <laughs> Don't be so funny. Oh, there's Mary. Now, all I have to do is snap on this bow tie, and I'll be on my way. <laughs> Darn it. There it goes again. Rochester, where's my bow tie? It went out the window and headed for Capistrano. <laughs> well, get me another one. Coming, Mary, coming. Phil, can I drop you off anyplace? No, Jackson, I'll stay here. I'm a little hungry. Rochester, get me an olive and a glass. <laughs> okay, Phil, make yourself at home, will you? Say, Mary, don't look now, but ever since we've been riding in this cab, there's been a moving van following us. I know. What? So many times I've gone to the theater and found out I left the tickets on the piano. So this time I'm taking the piano with me. <laughs> Say, you know, Mary, that's a oh, good... Oh, quiet. You fall for everything. <laughs> I've got the tickets right here. <laughs> And the invitations, too. Well, let me see. <laughs> hmm. Universal International cordially invites you to attend a special showing of A Double Life starring Ronald Coleman. Say, gee, gee, that's a really beautiful invitation, huh? Here you are, folks, Academy Theater. Come on, Mary. How much is that, driver? A dollar sixty. <laughs> Jack, what happened? Nothing, nothing. Here you are, driver. Keep the change. Thanks. Jack, 
fix your collar. I'm trying to, but darn it, I've lost my bow tie. No, you haven't. They've got the searchlight on it. It'll be down in a minute. <laughs> oh, yes. Here it comes. There. I got it. Oh, no, that's the one that was headed for Capistrano. Here it is. Fix my collar. <clears throat> there. Come on, Mary. Let's go in. Gosh, look, look, all of us big stars are here. Come on, hurry. Hold your own invitations, please. You spectators, stand back. Let them in. How do you do, Mr. Gable? Good evening, Mr. Taylor. How are you, Mr. Peck? How do you do, Miss Livingston? I told you spectators to stand back. I'm with her! <laughs> oh, well then go right in, mister. Mister. He doesn't even know I'm Jack Benny. Well, don't tell him. He has something to look forward to. What? Come on, Jack. Hurry. The lights are starting to dim. Okay. Hey, Mary, here are two seats here right in this row. A little more than halfway in. Follow me. Pardon 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 me. Oh, darn it. There's only one seat. We'll have to go back. Pardon me. 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 Jack, come back. You went out the exit. Oh, yes. Here we are, Mary. Here are two seats on the aisle. Good. Jack, we just made it. The travelogue is coming on. Oh, yes. As the sun comes up over the famous diamond head in Honolulu, we pay another visit to that land of enchantment resting far out in the blue Pacific, the Hawaiian Islands. Oh, Jack. Jack. Huh? It's me, Don Wilson. Oh, hello, Don. I didn't see you sitting behind me. Who are you with? Your quartet, the sportsman. Oh, good, good. And now let us pay a brief visit to one of the lesser-known islands where we find Chief Humanukanui and his people doing their native dance. Gee, this is good, isn't it, Mary? Jack, Jack. Don, I want to see this travelogue. Shh, quiet back there. Yes, Don, quiet. You're disturbing the people. Jack, what a coincidence. The quartet has a commercial worked out that fits to the music they're playing. All right, all right, but Don, not now. We're in a theater. Not now. Now? Good. Don. Go ahead, fellas. Very softly. Don, Don, we're in the theater. I can't hear it. Don, you can't do this. We're in a theater. Make the boys be quiet. Yeah, quiet back there. Don, it's so embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Quality of product is essential to continuing success. Lucky's are made of the pine of the light tobacco we can make. 
setting sun. It's with heavy heart that we say goodbye to Hawaii, home of the pineapple, where everybody is on the dole. <laughs> oh, Fitzpatrick, if you pour any more of those pineapple jokes, you'll get canned. How do you like that? He must be a friend of Phil Harris. <laughs> Mary, here comes the feature picture. Yeah, look. Ronald Coleman in A Double Life. Gee, what a crowd. Hurry, Jack, or we'll never get out to the lobby. Okay. Gosh, Mary, that was one of the best pictures I ever saw. You know? Yes, and it was such an appropriate title. A Double Life. Yeah. It really fits. Mr. Coleman was perfect as the Broadway star who was afraid to play Othello. Well. Oh, fine. I suppose you could have played Othello better than Ronald Coleman. No, Mary, I don't think the people would like me and Ronnie's part in the picture. But then, on the other hand, do you think the public would have liked Coleman and the horn blows at midnight? <laughs> they wouldn't have liked that picture with Eisenhower in it. I guess not. Say, Mary. Mary, isn't that Mr. and Mrs. Coleman over there? Ronnie and Benita? Where? There. Just coming out of the theater. Oh, see, Ronnie. Ronnie. What is it, Benita? Say, <laughs> hey, isn't that Jack Benny over there? Where? Oh, for the love. Well, let's hurry, Benita. Perhaps he hasn't seen us. Yeah, I think he <laughs> I think he has. He's coming towards us. <clears throat> well, I've got an idea, so he won't recognize me. Ronnie, Ronnie, stop. What are you doing with my hat? He's going to wear it. Maybe he'll think I'm Tom Brenneman. <laughs> yes. Yes, but then you'll have to kiss him. Anyway, let, let's try and get rid of him quickly. I want to go to Ciro's and celebrate. All right, but don't create a scene. Be pleasant to him and perhaps he'll go away. Yes, you tell me the same thing about your mother and she's been with us for 20 years. <laughs> Benita, how are you? Hello, Jack. Hello, Mary. Hello, Benita. Say, Ronnie, your picture was simply wonderful. Oh, thank you, Jack. Glad you liked it. Like it? You know, Ronnie, watching your performance this evening was one of the most enjoyable experiences I've ever had. Oh, well. Not only is a double life a great picture, but your acting was the finest I've ever seen on the stage or screen. Oh, oh now, now, Mary, I... Gee, you're absolutely brilliant as a fellow. And when you played yourself, you were so suave and so handsome. Well, I... Mary, stop. You're embarrassing him. Uh, Benita, you keep out of this. <laughs> you know, Ronnie, my favorite scene in the whole picture was when you, as a fellow, accused your wife, Desdemona, of being unfaithful because you saw another man carrying her handkerchief. 
Oh, you mean the speech where I said, By heaven, I saw the handkerchief in his hand. Oh, perjured woman, thou dost tone my heart and makes me call what I intend to do a murder, which I thought a sacrifice. I saw the handkerchief. Yes, yes, that's the speech I mean. Only, Ronnie, if I were playing the part, <laughs> I believe I would have done it something like this. By heaven. <laughs> I saw the handkerchief in his hand. Oh, perjured woman! <laughs> I just stole my heart and makes me call what I intend to do a murder. <laughs> Which I thought a sacrifice. I saw the hanky. <laughs> There, how did that sound? Wonderful. Phil Harris couldn't have read it better. He couldn't have read it at all. But, Ronnie, how can you say that? Let's get the depth of that last line. I saw the hunk. Oh, there goes my collar again. Where's my bow tie? I swallowed it. No, no, here it is on the sidewalk. Excuse me a minute. Where's my collar button? I knew I swallowed something. Well, I got another one here in my vest pocket. Oh, say, Ronnie. Ronnie, if you don't mind my talking about your picture again. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Well, I've seen you in a lot of pictures, and I thought that in this one, you were... You were... Well, thank you. No, no, let me finish. Let me finish. I, uh... I thought that you were miscast. Oh. So you... You thought I was miscast. Yes, you see, in the picture, they have you turn killer and commit murder. And Ronnie, in real life, I mean, you you couldn't possibly murder anybody. Oh, I don't know. Getting late. We'd better be running along. No, no, Benita. No, no. You can't go home yet. This is the opening of Ronnie's new picture. A night like this calls for a celebration. I know. Let's all go over to my house and play the slot machine. No, no, thanks. <laughs> no, thanks. Benita and I are going to Ciro's. Goodbye. Wait a minute. Uh, Jack, it's getting kind of late. Maybe we ought to go home. Mary, we can't run off and leave the Coleman's. They'll think I'm snubbing them. <laughs> now, now, we'll all go to Ciro's. Come on, come on, everybody. Oh, taxi! Taxi! Look, Jack, we can't all get into one taxi. There are four of us. Okay, you folks take this cab. Mary and I will take the next one. See you at Ciro's. See you there. Benita, what a fool I was to let Benny know where we were going. Oh, what's the difference, darling? And anyway, Mary's such a nice girl. Oh, I'm nothing against her. I like Mary. It's that Benny I can't stand. <laughs> lately, it seems that everywhere I go, I run into him. It happens to me, too. Last Thursday afternoon, I saw him at Greer Garson's tea. Benny? At a tea party for women? Yes. He had a shawl over his head and came around to tell our fortunes. No. Yes. Then he took his violin, played golden earrings, and passed around a tambourine. You mean Benny himself passed the tambourine? Yes. Oh, that's too bad. His monkey must have died. Darling, let's forget about him. Let's talk about us. About us? Mm. You know, I didn't have a chance to tell you how much I enjoyed Double Life. Oh. I think it is the finest picture you've 
ever made. Well, thank you very much, darling. You know, I'm your severest critic. I think your performance in that picture was magnificent. Well. You, you're wonderful. Oh. And Ronnie. Yes? I bought a new fur coat. <laughs> what did you say, dear? I said I thought your performance in the picture uh, was... Here we are, zero. lucky to get this ringside table. Yes, I hear they have a wonderful floor show. Well, it was nice we all arrived together and no one was kept waiting. Yes, yes, uh, it was, wasn't it? Say, Jack, it's kind of chilly in here. Will you please get me my coat? Certainly, Mary. What about you, Benita? Is your coat checked? No, it's Persian lamb. <laughs> <laughs> Say, that's rather good, Benita. Yes, I know. I heard it on Fred Allen's program. <laughs> hmm. Ordering our food so we'll be through eating when the floor show starts. All right, I'll call the waiter. Oh, waiter, waiter. Yeah. <laughs> waiter, I have a shrimp cocktail, filling in your rare, and asparagus. Uh, very good, madame. I'll have a Caesar salad, lobster a la Newburgh, and broccoli. Yes, madame. I think I'll have some consomme, prime ribs of beef, medium rare, and a baked potato. Uh, yes, sir. And now, what about you, shoulders? <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll have a potage jour at Salada avec Roquefort and a bouffe avec Bordelais at Pomme de Terre. Well, get here! <laughs> Never mind the comment. Just bring what I ordered. Uh, say, Jack, when did you start eating French food? Since they devaluated the franc. <laughs> Would you like something to drink with your dinner? We have some wonderful vintage champagnes. Mums 37, Cordon Rouge 33, and Piper Heidsick 35. Uh, make mine Schlitz 47. <laughs> that, uh, that was a good year, wasn't it? Not for USC. <laughs> Look, I never... Never mind the wisecracks. You, you ought to pay a little more attention to your job. Some waiter. Look at this tablecloth and the napkins. I've never seen such dirty linen. Well, you do them for us, Wong Fu. <laughs> That's besides the point. I've never seen such a rude, impertinent waiter. I got a good Stop mind... Stop raising your voice to me. What? Nobody asked you to come in here in the first place. You spoiled my whole evening. That's the last straw. How about you and me stepping outside? This is Ciro's. We can do it right here. <laughs> Look, waiter, just go get our orders. Oh, you all right. <laughs> Ronnie, you can come out from under the table. People have stopped staring. <laughs> well, now, let us all have a pleasant evening. Come on. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> Well, that was really a delicious dinner. Did you enjoy yours, Ronnie? Yeah, I certainly did. Uh, waiter, give me the check, please. Oh, no, 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 Ronnie. This is, uh, this is my little party. Oh, but after all, Jack, we're celebrating my new picture. I don't care. Waiter, don't listen to him. 
Uh, give me the check. All right, but you'll hate yourself in the morning. <laughs> Never mind. Give it to me. Thank you. Hey, Ronnie, this is the first time I've ever seen Jack pick up a check. I wonder what happened. Somebody must have spiked his slits. <laughs> a waiter, give me your pencil. I want to check these items. Now, let's see. You know, this really has been a grand evening. Yes, the floor show is wonderful. Kugar's music is so exciting. And it's Jerry Lester, such a funny comedian. And the atmosphere is nice and cozy. Please, please, would you all be quiet? I'm going over the check. <laughs> now, let's see. Shrimp cocktail, a dollar. Consomme, 85 cents. Caesar salad, a dollar and a quarter. Filet mignon. Whoops. <laughs> hmm. Lobster. They, hmm. 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 Ronnie. Ronnie, did you have an extra cup of coffee? <laughs> No, Jack, I had milk. Well, where did this extra cup of coffee come from, waiter? You ordered it. I didn't order it, and I want it taken off the bill. Oh, Jack, please. Now, you keep out of this, Mary. Waiter, I'm not going to pay for this extra cup of coffee. I want uh, to... No, Jack, Jack, let me pay the check. No, no, Ronnie, this is my party. This is my party. Now, look, waiter, I don't mind paying for what we got. But I know that no one here had an extra cup of coffee. Oh, Jack, for heaven's sake. I'll have this bill corrected immediately. Ronnie, the orchestra's playing. Let's dance our way out the back door. All right. Anita, come quick. Hurry up. Now, what about it, waiter? You ordered the coffee and you'll pay for it. I ordered it, but I changed my mind and you took it back. Did you see me leave the table with it? Yes. By heaven, I saw the coffee in your hand. <laughs> oh, perjured waiter. What? Now the stone my heart. And makes me call what I intend to do a murder. Well. Which I thought a sacrifice. I saw the coffee. Oh, oh darn it. There goes my collar. Jack will be back in just a minute, but first, here's Basil Rysdale. By a 50% margin over any other brand, independent tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice. Back of that statement is an impartial Crosley poll just completed in 11 southern tobacco states. This famous authentic research group reveals that when independent tobacco experts choose a cigarette for their own personal smoking enjoyment, over 50% more named Lucky Strike than any other brand. Yes, by a 50% margin over any other brand. Independent tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice. These are the tobacco experts, the independent buyers, auctioneers, and warehousemen who buy, sell, and handle tobacco at the auctions. Men like Mr. Sidney T. Curran, tobacco warehouseman of Oxford, North Carolina, who recently said, At auction after auction, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy fine tobacco that smokes up mild, cool, and fragrant. I've smoked Luckers myself for 26 years. So for your own real, deep-down smoking enjoyment, remember... L-S-M-F-T... L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. 
So smoke the smoke, tobacco expert smoke. Remember, by a 50% margin over any other brand, independent tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman for being with us tonight. And to Dennis Day, my best wishes and congratulations. Good night, folks. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. a pretty girl is like a melody, especially when her hair is soft and shining, like that of Mrs. F.D. Stokes, registered nurse of Seattle, Washington, who uses Fitch cream shampoo regularly. Mrs. Stokes writes, there is a difference in cream shampoos. I found that out by experience, for there's one that leaves my hair softer, brighter looking than any other. That's Fitch cream shampoo. Fitch is the one cream shampoo I'm really sold on. Yes, Mrs. Stokes, you and thousands of others throughout the country have discovered how this shampoo leaves hair caressably soft, shining as though it had been brushed and brushed and brushed. So try Fitch Cream Shampoo. You too will discover that glamorous new look of softer, shinier hair. That's because Fitch Cream Shampoo is made with two special beauty aids, lanolin and olive oil. Lanolin is used to soften the hair. Olive oil is used to bring out sparkling highlights. Fitch is economical, too. Compare the size of the jar. Compare its low cost. At drug or toilet goods counters, buy Fitch Cream Shampoo for softer, shinier hair. The F.W. Fitch Company, makers of Fitch Shampoo, presents the Fitch Bandwagon, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Robert North, Walter Scharf and his music, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Today, as we look in on the Harris home, we find a typical family scene. Alice is reading, and Phil is telling baby Alice the story of Little Red Riding Hood, just as his father told it to him when he was a child. And so, when the Stuarts found out that Little Red was riding a ringer, he was set down, barred from the track, and never allowed to ride again. Now, Phil, that's not the story of Little Red Riding Hood. That's not the way Uncle William told it to us, Daddy. Uncle William, Uncle William. It's all I ever hear around here. Alice, I don't want him telling the kids stories. He'll make a couple of squares out of them. <laughs> William is a good influence on the children. Good influence. 
They're starting to act like him, and little Phyllis is even starting to talk like him. Oh, don't be ridiculous. You're exaggerating, Phil. Hello, Mommy. Hello, Phyllis. Hiya, honey. Good morning, Father. <laughs> That does it. Now, you listen to me. I don't want that guy around the house. Why, it's getting so the kids don't ask me anything anymore. If they want to know anything, they ask him. I know, I know, and that's not right, Phil. It should be their father to whom they turn for guidance and to whom they go for advice. But William says you don't have the education. (laughs) Who ain't got no education? (laughs) Who ain't? Phil... Who ain't is incorrect. All right, all right, I'll correct it. Whom ain't got no education? You ain't, that's who ain't. Look, Alice, I'm not going to have that pipsqueak brother of yours coming around here and knocking now, me please, down. Now, please, Phil, I refuse to stand here and listen to you insult my brother. I'm going upstairs. Come along, children. Now, wait a minute, Alice, I don't want to... There must be some way I can get that William out of my hair. I wonder if I could talk the Navy into using him as a floating target. (laughs) Oh, well, why let him bother me? Oh, that must be Frankie calling. The best thing I can do is to forget about William. Hello? Good morning, Philip. (laughs) I wonder if I could sue the phone company for (laughs) What do you want, Willie? I have good news for you, Philip. Guess what? You've enlisted in the French Foreign Legion. (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. No. The lease on my apartment has expired, and until I find a new place, I've decided to move in with you. Well, lucky me. (laughs) Look, Willie, I'd love to have you come, but I'm afraid you can't come over. You see, uh, I forgot to tell you, but I've got the hooping cough. Oh, that won't bother me No, I've already had whooping cough uh, Alice has the mumps I've had the mumps, too The children have the measles Oh, I've had the measles, too Well, the dog has fleas Let's see you get around that <laughs> What, well, Philip, I, I'm beginning to think you don't want me to live with you That's the beginning of a beautiful thought, Buster Keep working on it <laughs> Well, it doesn't make any difference whether you want me or not Alice will welcome me, so ask her to get the guest room ready. I'll be over soon with my baggage. Goodbye. Oh, no, no. (laughs) Now he's going to live with us. Well, there's nothing I can do about it. If he's going to sleep here, I'll be nice about it and make the guy comfortable. Now, let's see. Where did I put that electric blanket with the short circuit? (laughs) (laughs) Everything happens to me. Holy smokes, can that be Willie with his bags already? I hope it is, because I'm going to assert myself and tell him he's not wanted here. Look, Bob, beat it. I don't want you around here, and I don't care how much Alice loves you. Alice loves me? Well, tell her to go upstairs and pack her money, and we'll go out of your life. All right, Frankie, don't be funny. I just... I'm a little upset. I... Thought you were Brother Willie. Come on, come on then. Well, you look upset, Curly. What's wrong? Well, certainly. I got troubles. Yeah? Alice's brother is coming to live with us for a few weeks. There must be some way of keeping Willie out of that spare room. Hey, Frankie. Hmm? 
You ought to be able to figure out something. You've got a nice, conniving mind. <laughs> ah, shucks. It's nothing, really. <laughs> Let's see now. If there was somebody else in that room, he couldn't move in. Oh, Alice had only put him out to make room for her brother. Yeah, Betty. but suppose this person couldn't be moved. Suppose he was sick. Or better yet, suppose he had a broken leg and they couldn't move him. Ah, there's your answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the idea's all right, Frankie, but... Sure. But I don't know anybody with a broken leg. <laughs> Gee whiz, where can I get somebody with a broken... Uh... <laughs> Frankie! Let go of my leg! <laughs> I don't want no part of this. That's it, a fine pal. You're running true to form. You're a pal. All I'm asking you to do is break your leg a little. <laughs> I found out something. I guess I know who my friends are now. No, wait a minute, Curly. You know how I feel about you. You're my buddy. I'd cut off my right arm for you. I'll but... settle for that. <laughs> Look, Frankie, you don't have to really break your leg. Just make believe it's broken long enough to get rid of Willie. That's all. And then once he finds a place to live, you can have a quick recovery. Yeah, I don't like the idea, Curly, but... Well, if I only have to make believe... God, thanks, pal. Yeah. I knew you'd do it for me, Frankie. You know something? There's nothing like a friend when you need him. You know, I'm a pretty lucky guy to have friends like you and Seymour Weiss and Sam Maceo and Trigger Jackson. <laughs> Trigger Jackson? Who's he? Who's he? You don't know Trigger Jackson? Yeah. Well, take a seat, son, and I'll tell you all about him. Listen. Now, Trigger Jackson was a gambling cub who joined the Uptown Social Club where shooting dice was everybody's whim. But every time he rolled the dice, he found them dice as cold as ice. It seems they favored everyone but him. Then Trigger stopped the game and said, uh, I'm not the doubting kind, but uh, there's a slight suspicion that keeps running through my mind. Somehow it don't seem natural you make points with so much ease, while all I throw is boxcars and a flock of twos and threes. And furthermore, I'm stating I don't like the dice you use. I notice one of them's all fives and the other one is twos. I hope the situation's clear to everybody in the room. And now if we all is agreed, suppose that we resume loaded pistol and loaded dice. Take my warning or pay the price. Cause it ain't healthy to try it twice. Loaded pistol and loaded dice. Now Trigger's luck was getting worse and soon he had an empty purse. He stooped and turned his back upon the crowd. He went down in his shoe for ten, he shot the works and lost again, and then he rose and spoke in accents loud. Now what I got to say is final, cause we ain't putting this to no vote. There's something in my craw and it's coming out, a uh, quote. Now when it comes your shot, make them ivories bounce about. And I ask you very kindly, leave them tops and bottoms out. Now let me hear him cackle, because I love to hear him moan and chime, and don't forget to shoot with only one pie at a time. And now here's something else that I'm going to tell you one and all. Now when you throw them dice, make them bounce against the wall. Now that's all for this evening, but I want that dough I lost to you, and I want that eight bucks from my pocket and the ten bucks from my shoe. And now that I'm about to go, brothers, I leave you with this advice. You can't beat a loaded pistol with a pair of loaded dice. Loaded pistol and loaded dice. Take my warning or pay the price. Cause it ain't healthy to try it twice. Low loaded pistol and loaded dice. 
friend. I'm lying here with a broken leg and he's singing. <laughs> Frankie, will you get up off of the floor? You're not supposed to break it yet. You told me to sit here. I'll away. tell you when to break it. Now, look, I want you to wait till Alice gets here so it'll look real. Now, if we're going to do it, we got to convince her, and I want you to put on a good act. Oh, great. Not only do I have to break my leg, I got to do it like Catherine Cornell, you <laughs> Okay, all right. Now, listen to me, Frankie. When Alice comes in, just talk to her for a little while and then say you have to go. And that's just before you get to the door, I want you to trip and fall. Right. Now, you got it? Yes. Yeah. Hold it a minute. I think I hear Alice coming. Phil. Phil, I'm sorry I lost my temper about William. Oh, hello, Frankie. Goodbye, Alice. I was just leaving. What's your hurry, Frankie? I got a date. Well, why don't you stay for dinner? You can break your date. Oh, I can't break my date. You see, I have to break... <laughs> you know, your offer is less painful than Curly's. Goodbye, Frankie. Goodbye. So long. All right, all right. Go ahead. Stop pushing. Phil, you were very rude to Frankie. I think you hurt his feelings. Look at the way he... Frankie, look out! You're falling! Oh, my goodness, he broke his leg. <laughs> he broke it before he hit the ground? <laughs> well, you could see it twist under him. Hey, Frank, Frankie, how are you? Oh, oh, you're right. I broke my leg. Oh, it hurts something awful. Oh, you poor dear. Frankie, which leg is it? It's my... It's... I'm stuck. We forgot to arrange that. <laughs> I think it's my left one. Well, let me see it. Roll up your trouser leg. Alice, please. <laughs> I can't bear my leg in front of a woman. <laughs> Phil, Phil, we have to do something. Help me carry him out to the car and we'll get him to the hospital. No, 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 no. We mustn't move him. We've got to let him lie there until the coroner comes. <laughs> You're right, Phil. We shouldn't move him. I'll go call a doctor. I'll be right back. Wait a minute, Alice. He don't need a doctor. All he needs is a little rest. Two or three weeks in the guest room will do it. <laughs> well, wise guy, what now? As soon as the doctor looks at my leg, he'll know it's not broken. What are we going to do? Well, there's only one thing to do. What? Now, Frankie, I know this is going to hurt you more than it does me. <laughs> You'll just have to break No, you don't <laughs> You keep away from me But Frankie, I told Alice your leg is broken You're not gonna make a liar out of me, are you? Look, Curly, there must be an easier way <laughs> All we have to do is keep the doctor from looking at my leg Yeah Hey, wait a minute We could bandage it and make believe it's already fixed Sure Then when the doctor comes Well, he had a little accident, Julius He broke his leg Broke his leg? Gee, that's terrible You mind if I hang around for the shooting? <laughs> Don't be funny This man's in agony Oh Hold it, hold it just a minute now I gotta get his leg bandaged up Well, first you gotta put some splints on I'm a boy scout I know all about that stuff Hey, you do? Hey, well, in that case, you can help. Now, look, kid, get a few rolls of bandage out of the medicine chest in the other room. Okay. And I'll get a couple of slats from this wooden box here, and we'll use them as splints. Hey, Curly, do we have to go this far to keep Willie out of the guest room? <laughs> Couldn't we just do something simple like burning down the house? <laughs> Lie still, will you? Now, we got to get this done before Alice comes back. Here's the bandages. And now, Mr. Harris, you hold the splints against Mr. Rimley's leg, and I'll have it bandaged in no time. 
Well, there, the bandages are on, and I certainly done a great job. All right, Mr. Howard, you can stand up now. Well, why don't you stand up? I can't. You bandage my arms to his leg. I did. Gee, my scoutmaster will hate me for this. Turn in your uniform. You're through. Just the same, I think that's a very pretty bandaging job, ain't it, Mr. Harris? Pretty? We look like two sloppy mummies. Now, wait a minute, and I'll pull my arms out of this thing. There, I got them out. Now it's drafty. <laughs> well, I gotta go now. So long. So long, kid. Thanks. So long, kid. Hey, Curly, this bandage ain't very neat. No, it ain't. Hey, I'll tell you, I'll shove some more of these slats into it and fill it out, huh? Good idea. There. Put them right in there. Yeah, that looks better. Oh, I called the doctor, Phil, but he can't be here till this evening. There's a slight epidemic of measles on the other side of town, and he's kind of busy. Oh, honey, we ain't gonna need no doctor. You see, Julius was just here, and we set Frankie's leg and then bandaged it. You and Julius did it? Gee, how does your leg feel, Frankie? Oh, just awful. The pain is most excruciating. <laughs> Poor fella. Hey, honey, but he's going to be all right just as soon as he's... If we can just get him settled in the guest room. I now, come on, Frankie. Well, come on, Frankie, follow me. Follow you? <laughs> I cannot walk with a broken leg, Curly. You'll have to carry me. Me carry you? <laughs> oh, all right. You want me to carry your piggyback? That won't be necessary. Just cradle me tenderly in your arms. <laughs> oh, come on, I'll pick you up. Careful now, don't jar me. Remember my condition. Easy does it All right, all right Hey, this is service I can learn to like this Well, I'm ready to go up now Giddy up, Curly <laughs> Please, Curly, don't take such jarring steps Glide with me <laughs> Watch where you're going Careful of this turn I don't want Ah, to... shut up <laughs> Gee, Frankie certainly likes a lot of attention Well, all men are like that My dad was the same Whenever he was sick, he'd run Mother ragged She'd get mad, but He'd get around it with his Irish blarney Ah, those Irishmen Who do they say has a way with the ladies? Who do they plan as the man of the day? Who with his wink has a twinkle of Hades? Shawnee, oh, Shawnee, oh, Shawnee, oh, Shay if he grows thunder beyond city limits And he makes love till you shove him away If he still spoons till the moon's getting dim It's shiny, oh, shiny, oh, shiny, oh, shay Children cry, dance with sigh, ladies lie, spins beside For shiny, oh, shay And though he's quite a roué They go for shiny, oh, shay Young and gay, old and gray, they all pray he will stay He's quite in demand in the city, he's the toast of it. He makes the most of it. Cause O'Shea likes to play to the grandstand. You better beware, he's as fair as Apollo. Looking his way turns an A to a yay. Making each heart want to start in to follow. Shawnee, oh, Shawnee, oh, Shawnee. 
Betsy Beans, Daisy Greens, Greta Cleans, Sally Screens, Shawnee O'Shea. They all are carried away by Mr. Shawnee O'Shea. He annoys all the boys, he destroys all the joys, but who can they sue? If they gave his Casanova brain a shot of Novocaine, would it kill all the thrill lovers who do? Why is each lad feeling sad when the fun's on? Oh, what's a gay blade in the shade gonna say? Oh, who would he sway like to train all his guns on? Shawnee, oh, Shawnee, oh, Shawnee, oh, Shawnee! Yeah, I wonder who that is. Hello, Alice, dear. Oh, hello, William. Come on in. William, what are you doing with those bags? Well, didn't Philip tell you? My lease has expired, and I've come to stay in your guest room until I find a new apartment. Oh, I'm sorry, William, but Frankie broke his leg, and Phil put him in the guest room, and... Hmm. <laughs> I wonder... Alice! Hey, Alice, come up here and help me with Frankie. He's driving me crazy. I'll be right up, Phil. <laughs> come along, William. We'll get to the bottom of this when the doctor arrives. <laughs> Are you comfortable now, Frankie? You better get me another cold towel, Curly Then you can massage me again (laughs) Oh, Frankie, we've been waiting on you hand and foot for three hours now I'm completely exhausted Oh, I'm sorry, Alice You can stop fanning me for a while (laughs) Take five Thanks (laughs) This is outrageous Having everyone wait on you like this Keep quiet, Willie And hold that mint julep a little higher I can't reach the straw (laughs) You better run downstairs And get me a refill Alice, you can start getting dinner ready I'm a little hungry (laughs) By the way, what are you having for dinner? Spaghetti and meatballs I don't like it (laughs) Well, what would you desire, O Majestic One? I would like two dozen oysters on a half shell, a whole broiled lobster, squab under glass, and a magnum of champagne. Thank you, Diamond Jim Brady. <laughs> now, you listen to me, Remley. You're overdoing it, you hear me? And you better cut it out because oh, one ooh, more... Oh, my poor leg. It hurts something awful, and I'll be forced to show it to Alice if you don't stop aggravating me like this. Quiet, quiet, Remley. Phil, could you and Frankie be faking this whole thing? This isn't just a scheme to keep William out of the guest room, is it? Nah. <laughs> Perish the thought. Well, I hope not, oh, because well, if Mr. I... the doctor's here. I brought him up with me, dear. Oh. oh, hello, doctor. Good evening, Mrs. Harris. Ah, this must be the patient. Let's have a look at that broken leg. Well, that won't be necessary, doc. It feels much better now. Mr. Harris fixed it up for me. Mr. Harris fixed it? <laughs> Sure, dog was a cinch. That stuff's my racket. I see. <laughs> Tell me, is it a break or a fracture? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the most broken fracture you ever saw. 
It's okay, though, Doc. I said it. You did, eh? Did you apply traction? I would have, but I didn't have a tractor handy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Now, look, Mr. Harris, I've had a very trying day, and I'm in no mood for jokes. I don't feel too well myself. Now, let's get this over with. I'll just take this bandage off. Doctor, and... please. You're hurting me. <laughs> Quiet. Oh, for heaven's sakes, what's all this wood doing around his leg? <laughs> oh, you see, I put it there, Doctor. I thought it might come in handy in case his leg got cold and he wanted to start a fire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, I'll examine the leg now. Let's see. Mm-hmm. This leg isn't broken. It ain't? Gee, I must have said it better than I thought. <laughs> well, folks, as long as my leg isn't broken, I guess I'll get up and be running along. You come back here, Frankie. I want to talk to you and Phil. Doctor, I'm sorry to have brought you over here, especially when you don't feel too well yourself and the way... Why, doctor. Doctor, what's wrong? I... I don't know. I... Feel rather peculiar. Yeah. You don't look good either. Huh? Hey, Doc. Your your face, it's uh it's all flushed. It... Hey, look at yourself in the mirror. Yes, let me see. What? Oh, this is most embarrassing. What's up, Doc? <laughs> I have the measles. The measles? I'd better be running along me now. Me too, let me out of here. Wait for me. One side, fellas, ladies first. Now, just a moment, just a moment, everybody. <laughs> Nobody is leaving here. It's my duty to inform you that this place is quarantined for five days. Five days? Five days with all you people in this house? Phil Harris, you're the, you're the cause of this. You tried to keep William out, and now we not only have William, we have Frankie and the doctor, too. Where are we going to put everybody? Now, wait a minute, honey. It won't be so bad. The three men can sleep in the guest room, and you and I still have our room. That's what you think. You're not sleeping in our room. Just to teach you a lesson, I'm going to let you sleep with them. Good night, Curly. But, Alice, four guys, four guys can't sleep in a bed. Oh, nuts. <laughs> Well, Curly, shall we all retire? Yeah, retire, retire. <laughs> okay, you fellas go to bed. I'll be right with you. I'm going in to see Alice. You're going to tell her off, Curly? No, I want to get my hair net. It's on her dresser. <laughs> Phil will be back in just a moment. There's no excuse for dandruff. Right. There's no excuse for dandruff. Almost everyone has dandruff at one time or another. But there's no excuse for dandruff. That's because it can be removed so easily and completely with Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. Leading medical authorities say there are two kinds of dandruff. One is loose and flaky. It's the unsightly kind, the kind you can see. The other clings to the scalp. It's the invisible, irritating kind, the kind you can feel. If your present shampoo is doing only half the job, remember Fitch removes both kinds completely. Be free of unsightly dandruff. Be free of invisible, irritating dandruff. Yes, be free of all embarrassing dandruff 
with Fitch. Fitch is the only shampoo made that's guaranteed to remove dandruff with the first application. And the Fitch guarantee is backed by one of the world's largest insurance firms. Remember, there's no excuse for dandruff. So switch to Fitch. At drug counters, barber, and beauty shops, ask for Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. How can a guy sleep in this bed with these three guys snoring? That's a pretty thing. That sounds like a soundtrack for Walt Disney's. These guys have kept me awake half of the night. Oh, that's snoring. Well, I'll just have to go back to counting, that's all. 472, 473, 474, four... Hey, Curly, what are you talking to yourself for? I'm trying to put myself to sleep. What are you doing, counting sheep? No, I'm counting the spots on the doctor's face. Good night. next week when the F.W. Fitch Company again brings you the Fitch Bandwagon with Alice Fay and Phil Harris. This program was directed by Paul Phillips. Alice Fay appears to the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. The part of Frankie was played by Elliot Lewis. Girls, for softer, shinier hair, use Fitch's new cream shampoo. It's made with both lanolin and olive oil. Lanolin to soften, olive oil for sparkling highlights. Try Fitch cream shampoo. Bill Foreman speaking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Hello again, this is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another uh, classic, classic episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1937-1938 season. Tonight we present to you the very first racetrack episode. Um, We've been having some of these episodes lately. I did not realize the first one went this far back to 1938. It's... uh, if you think the span of this, the first one was in 1938. I believe the last time he performs this is in the 19, early 1960s. Um, he does the race, uh, racetrack storyline, very similar to this storyline, almost, you know, really similar uh, for his television show. Uh, on this episode, it introduces us to the tout, and the tout, who we're used to being Sheldon Leonard on this episode, is played by Harry Baldwin, uh, Jack's uh, personal secretary, I believe. And, of course, the man that we usually get knocking on the door and saying a silly line and Jack making fun of how he's bald. 
but in this case, he gets to be the, the tout, which is uh, which will be fun. Uh, this also, uh, I believe, Frank Nelson is on here uh, doing a different bit than he usually does, but uh, but he is on the episode, I believe, and um, it's, it'll be interesting to see a lot of pieces, like I say, stay the same, um, and it's just I just always think it's so interesting to see uh, or hear actually how these um, bits are taken and uh, are fine-tuned through the years and become the the cornerstones of the best episodes of the Jack Benny Show. And I love to hear how they get their start. So, uh, without further ado, here is the very first original racetrack storyline from the Jack Benny Show. And I hope you enjoy it, and we will see you next time. The Jell-O program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston and Phil Harris and his orchestra. The orchestra opens the program with In Old Chicago. This is the shortest month of the year, but even so, there are plenty of days to enjoy Jell-O. And plenty of ways to enjoy Jell-O, too. For no matter how you serve it, plain or combined with fruits or topped with whipped cream, Jell-O is always delicious. That's because it's crammed with delicious, extra-rich fruit flavor. A luscious, satisfying, real fruit taste that makes Jell-O America's favorite dessert. No other gelatin dessert brings you Jell-O's extra-rich fruit flavor. No other can top it for sheer delightful goodness. All six flavors are equally tempting. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. But just be sure to insist on genuine Jell-O when you buy. Don't accept any substitutes. Look for the big red letters on the box. They spell Jell-O. was in old Chicago from the picture of the same name played by Phil Harris and his orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you... Hold it, Don. Jack isn't here yet. Well, not here yet. Well, are you sure, Phil? I didn't see him. Did you, Mary? No. Have you looked under everything? Yeah. Well, that's strange. I wonder where Jack can be. He was here last Sunday, if that'll help. (laughs) Uh, Maybe he met somebody on the way over and they stopped off to eat. Uh, It wouldn't take him that long, would it? It would if the other guy didn't pick up the check. I think you better call up his house. Yeah. Number, please. Uh, operator, get me Hollywood uh, 3981 and uh, hurry up, hurry. Oh, keep your shirt on. Hello, Mr. Benny's residence. Uh, hey, Rochester, is Mr. Benny there? Yes, sir, but he's still in bed. Bed? Well, now, you go and wake him up and tell him the program started. Is he on it today? Why, of course he is. Now, <laughs> uh, you better get right down here. Okay, but I hate to wake him up just for that. <laughs> Doggone, why don't they let that man rest? 
Mmm, he sure looks happy there. <laughs> he must be dreaming about a blonde. It's a brunette. <laughs> hey, Mr. Benny. Mr. Benny. Hello again. Oh, good morning, Rochester. Good morning. Morning, man. Morning came and went and almost is again. <laughs> My goodness, is it as late as that? Yes, sir. Mr. Wilson just called up and said... Wilson? Hey, I've got a program to do. Rochester, this is a fine thing. I thought, told you to call me at 12 o'clock. I was out playing polo then. <laughs> well, put down your mallet and help me get dressed. I gotta rush over to the studio. Get me my underwear. Hey, y'all. Uh, ain't you gonna take a bath? I haven't time for a bath. Anyway, I can miss one day. Okay, but I better dust you off. <laughs> now, never mind that. Give me my sock. You know, the gray ones without the holes. And give me a shirt, too. You want a clean one, or are you gonna wear a muffler? <laughs> Well, of course I want a clean one. Gosh, how could I oversleep eight hours? If you ever let me do that again, Rochester, you won't get that raise I promised you. There goes nothing. Is that so? Look, at I'll answer the door. Get me my shoes. They're under the bed. All right, I'm coming. Yes, sir, what is it? Pardon me, I have a package here for Mr. Homer Truffle. Homer Truffle? I'm sorry, but you got the wrong place. Sign right here, Mr. Truffle. Look, look, I'm in a hurry. I'm not Homer Truffle. I don't even know Homer Truffle. Well, you should. He's an awfully nice fellow. Goodbye. <laughs> Everything happens when I'm in a rush. Hey, Rochester, where's my necktie? Ain't you gonna shave? Your whiskers are kind of long. I haven't got time for that. I'll just put a little powder on. That ain't gonna fool nobody. <laughs> now, mind your own business. Give me my hat and coat. I'll answer the phone. Hello? Hello, Jack. What's keeping you? Oh, it's you, Mary. I'll be over in a few minutes. Keep the program going. All right. But, oh, Jack, I must tell you, the funniest thing happened a few minutes ago. <laughs> well, what is it, Mary? <laughs> well, Phil Harris was showing Don Wilson how to play a new card game. Yes. And now Don is the orchestra leader. <laughs> oh. Are you all playing the game? I'll say. Kenny just won my new hat. You know, the one with the red feathers on it. He did? Is he wearing it? Yeah, he thinks he's an Indian. <laughs> Me, hip, big, cheap. Fine Indian. I'll scalp him when I get to the studio. I wish you would. I want my hat back. Well, hang up, Mary. I got to finish dressing. I'll be right over. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. I knew something would happen if I wasn't there. Hey, Rochester! Rochester! Right here, boss. Here's your hat and coat. Okay. Where's my wristwatch? Your what? My wristwatch. Where is it? Oh, you don't want that. <laughs> I do, too. Rochester... Where is my wristwatch? You mean that no good little thing that never keeps time? Rochester, where is my wristwatch? You could have lost it, you know. Rochester, where is my wristwatch? Okay, here's the ticket. <laughs> I thought so. Why, Rochester? You're the third the greenest man I ever worked for. Never mind that. You pawned my watch. How much did you get on it? Eight dollars. Eight dollars? Yeah, I could never get over five. Next time? Next time I'll go with you. Yeah, next time wait for the laugh, too. <laughs> well... <laughs> well, I'll, I'll take this up with you later. So long. Goodbye, boy. 
fine butler I've got after all I've done. Oh, taxi, taxi, NBC studio, quick. Hey, Mr. Benny, Mr. Benny. I'm in a hurry, Rochester. What is it? Ain't you going to wear no pants? <laughs> pants? Well, of all the... Wait a minute, driver. I'll be right out. Gee, I hope the neighbors weren't looking. Oh. That was, uh, that was Let That Be a Lesson to You from Hollywood Hotel, played by Don Wilson and his jolly Jell-O Jorkestra. <laughs> and, Don, I couldn't have done worse myself. Well, I don't know about that, Phil. At least the boys in the orchestra followed me, didn't they, Mary? Yeah, I wish you'd have gone home. <laughs> hey, that's a pip. <laughs> Look, I'm an Indian. <laughs> Quiet, song and the puss. <laughs> Hello, fellas. Well, Gee, I'm sorry I'm late. You know, this is the first time I've ever overslept that much. Imagine, 18 hours. The Sandman must have slugged you. <laughs> and say, Mary, the most awful thing happened to me. I was in such a hurry, I rushed out of the house without my pants. And I had to go back, I didn't put them on. I tell you, I was never so embarrassed in my life. Imagine going out without my pants. Well, just turn them around now and you'll be all set. <laughs> oh, oh! <laughs> Well, I can do that later. I Say, think. Jack. What? You know, the same thing happened to me once. What's that, Kenny? I got up at 6 o'clock one morning to go to work and put my pants on backwards. Uh-huh. And then I walked by the mirror and thought I was just coming in, so I went back to bed again. <laughs> I bet you must have felt silly, huh? And then when I went to bed, I put my pajamas on backwards and thought I was just getting out. Oh, quiet. <laughs> go over in the corner and play Indian. Okay, white boy. <laughs> Say, Phil. Yes, Jack. Uh, what's this I hear about Don winning your orchestra from you? That's his tough luck. I know, but gee, what are you going to do now? Don't worry about me. Ladies and gentlemen, if you happen to breeze by a grocery store, why don't you walk in and say to the clerk, listen, Shorty, slip me a couple of boxes of Jell-O, will you? Jell-O, eh? What flavor, sir? All six of them, Baldy. <laughs> okay, Kinky. Uh, say, Kink, uh, you kind of go for Jell-O, don't you? Yeah, man. 
Why, Phil, that was marvelous. Did you hear that, Don? Not bad, huh? Oh, he used a stooge. Yes, but I wasn't any good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cheer up, Don. After all, you did leave the orchestra. Say, how were you anyway? Well, Jack, uh, we started off pizzicato, Mm -hmm. uh, ripped through the allegretto, and when we got to the crescendo, believe me, Jack, it was fortissimo. It was? What does he mean, Phil? Don't ask me. I'm a civilian now. (laughs) Oh, well, anyway, a change like this is good once in a while. Believe me. Come in. Special delivery for Mary Livingston. Oh, it's from my mother. How do you know? You haven't even seen it. Probably isn't from your mother at all. It is, too. (laughs) Oh. Well, Mary, open it up. Let's hear what the Plainfield Mrs. Fiddler has to say. Just a minute. Sign here, please. Oh, yeah. Here, bud, here's a tip for you. You got change for a quarter? No, I left my wallet on my yacht. <laughs> hmm. I never heard such impudence. Oh, why didn't you give him the whole quarter? It wouldn't break you. Mary, you know that's an eagle on a quarter, not a homing pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you open the letter? Okay. Well, that's a novelty, a wooden envelope. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Look at the way Mama starts her letter. Plainfield, New Jersey. <laughs> February 1st. That's yeah, starting out good already, huh? The old... Well, go ahead now. <laughs> My dear daughter Mary... Received your letter and thanks very much for sending us a check for our anniversary. You shouldn't have done it. Well, that was sweet, Mary. I gave your father the check to send back to you, and he has a brand new suit to prove it. Oh. oh. We celebrated our anniversary by going to a movie. We saw Thoroughbred Don't Cry with a swell kid acting it named Macaroni. Macaroni? That's Mickey Rooney. (laughs) Macaroni. Uh, Your Uncle Otto, who dropped in for Thanksgiving and stayed four months, has promised to leave next Thursday. He better, as your father, put a time bomb under his bed. Well, that's one way of getting him out. I think your father means it, as he has already ordered a new roof. Well. I must tell you what happened yesterday. Your brother Hillard swallowed his harmonica, and now we can't get him to play anything unless we put a nickel in his nose. Commercial little fellow, isn't he? Go ahead, Mary. Uh, You remember how much trouble your sister Babe had with her eyes? Well, the doctor said she doesn't have to wear glasses anymore. That's good. We think she does. And she came in the house last night and said, Hello, Papa, to the gas stove. Oh, well, that's awful, isn't Uh, it? We didn't want to make her feel bad, though, so this morning we cooked breakfast on your father. Well, that's just trying to be funny. No other news. Mm -hmm. Oh, we'll close now. Give my love to the whole gang and say hello to Jack. Your affectionate mother, Bubbles Livingston. (laughs) Bubbles? Well. P.S. Oh, gee, more stuff, huh? Please ask Kenny Baker to sing by Mere Bister Shane, as he is the only one who hasn't done it yet. Hey, she's right at that. Hey, Kenny, do you know by Mere Bister Shane? Oh, I think I do. How does it go? You know, by Mere Bister Shane, so let me explain. Dum, 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 da dum, 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 dum. You get it, Kenny? What's left of it? <laughs> well, sing it. Play Phil or Don or whoever owns the orchestra. Thank you.
that will explain by merely to sin means that you're grand. By merely to sin again I'll explain it means you're the fairest in the land. I could say Bella, Bella, even say Wunderbar, he sang, we'd only help me say how grand you are. Of all the girls I've known and I've known some, until I first met you I was lonesome. And when you came inside, dear, my heart grew light, and before world seemed so divine. I could say, Bella, Bella, even say, Wunderbari sang me only help. Say how grand you are. I try to explain by merely to say so kiss and say you Beast Duchesne, sung by Kenny Baker. And Kenny, for a song that's been kicked around as much as that, it certainly sounded great. Thanks, Jack. And that kid gets sillier every day. Huh? Oh, say, Jack. Yes, Don? You know, I've been uh, wanting to ask you something all evening, and I've just remembered what it is. Uh, what is it, Don? Said he, slipping gracefully into a new routine. <laughs> what, Don? Well, now, Jack, you were out at Santa Anita Racetrack last Friday, weren't you? Yeah, what about it? Well, I was just wondering if you had a bet on Playmay. You know, the horse that paid $673 for a $2 ticket. Boy, what a horse. That's not a horse. That's an annuity. <laughs> no, I didn't have a bet on her, Don, and I'm sorry you brought it up. I've been sick about it ever since. You know, I had a hunch to play that horse. I, I had it on my mind for days. I'm surprised you didn't, Jack. You're always looking for a bargain. Well, I tell you, Phil, I'm disgusted with myself. You were there, Mary. Remember that horse that paid 673 to 2 I'll say I had it right on the nose. That's right, you did, yeah. Gee, that was a marvelous price for a horse to pay. Who was the jockey? Santa Claus. <laughs> I can't understand why I backed out on it. Well, uh, what made you change your mind, Jack? Do you really want to know what happened, Don? Yes. Well, this is positively pathetic. What was it, Jack? Tell us. I'll do better than that. I'll show you. The scene is the Santa Anita racetrack ten minutes before the first race last Friday. Take it away, Santa Anita. <laughs> Gee, it's sure crowded here today, isn't it, Marion? Yeah. Are you going to bet on anything in the first race, Jack? Look, Mary, I've got a hunch on a long shot. A horse called Playmate. Well, that horse ought to pay a hundred to one. Don't tell me you're going to bet a whole dollar. A dollar? I'm going to bet two. That's what I think of her. Must be love. <laughs> now, listen to this hunch. 
The horse's name is Playmate, isn't it? Yes. Well, for years, I've been saying Play Phil, haven't I? You get it? Play Phil. Yeah, but the horse's name is Playmate. All right, Smarty, I'm not through. What month was I born in? February. Well, can't you see? It's only two months from February to May. <laughs> Play May. I tell you, I can't lose. Oh, I don't know. And not only that, but look how, look how it works out. The horse's name is Playmate. Now, spell May backwards. Uh, Y-A-M. Yam. There you are, yam. And you know I'm crazy about sweet potatoes. <laughs> I tell you, Mary, it's in the bag. Well, I don't care. I'm going to bet on the favorite. Negret. I got a hunch, too. Negret? What's your hunch? Well, I've got two knees, and I feel gret today. <laughs> now, that's silly. Well, anyway, I'm going over to the window and bet on Playmate. That's the horse, believe me. Now, you wait here, will okay. you, Mary? Okay. Hello, Jack. Oh, hello, Kenny. Say, who have you got in the first race? Well, Jack, I don't know much about picking horses. Gosh, I, I don't know whether to bet on City Slicker or Berenda. What do you think? Well, I wouldn't know what to tell you, Kenny. Of course, one horse is a gelding and the other is a filly, you know. What do you mean, Jack? Well, one is a male and the other is a female. Oh, are there two kinds? <laughs> Look, Kenny, I can save you a lot of trouble. Just bet on a horse called Playmate. It's going to come in and pay you a fortune. She will? Sure. Take my advice, Kenny. Put $2 on his nose. All right. Lend me $2, will you? Kenny, I'm not a finance company. See you later. Hey, Jack, Jack. What is it, Mary? I was just talking to Bing Crosby, and he said you shouldn't make any bets till the fourth race. Why? Then you can lose your money on his horse. Well, I'm not going to put any more money on Crosby's horses. I bet on one last week, and he stopped right in the home stretch and sang, I Surrender Dear. <laughs> I didn't mind that so much, but the jockey was playing a bazooka. <laughs> Now, listen, Mary, I'm going over to this window and bet on my original hunch, Playmate. Okay, see you later. Yes, sir. Plenty of money and you can bounce. Oh, God, this horse can't lose. Hey, buddy, come here a minute, will you? What is it? Now, listen, pal, I'm going to give you a tip that's so hot you can fry an egg on it. I'm sorry, mister, I've had breakfast. Besides, I'm putting my money on Playmate. Playmate? Why, that nag couldn't win if you put a diesel engine there. Oh, yeah? Take my tip, buddy. Play the favorite. Negret. The favorite? <laughs> Negret, huh? Do you, think, do you think he'll come in first? Why, he'll be dancing in the Trocadero before the rest of them hit the home stretch. Gee, say, maybe that is the horse for me. Are you sure? Are you sure Negret will win? Cross my heart and honest engine. Well, that's good enough for me. I'm going right over and bet on Negret. Gee, I'm glad I met you. Wait a minute, buddy. Got a cigar? Only the one I'm smoking. Well, that'll do. So long. <laughs> Didn't have to jerk it out of my face there. Here's the window. Hey, mister, give me a $2 ticket on the... Hey, get in line, you. Sure, that's what I say, too. Oh, I'm sorry, lady. Gee, everybody pushing and shoving and... Hey, mister. What is it? Will you please hold still? I've been trying to pick your pocket for 10 minutes. Now, get away from here. I'm ticklish. Well, come on, come on. What'll it be? Uh, I want a, a $2 ticket on knee grab. Win, place, or show? Uh, to win. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, make it to play. That's it. No, 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 look. Better make that show. That's it, the show. Yes, that's better. Okay, reckless. <laughs> Here's my two dollars. Thanks. Well, let go of it. <laughs> oh. Now, don't rush me. I may never see it again. Hey, Mary, Mary. Yeah? I just bought a ticket. I changed my horse to the one you had, Knee Grab. That's funny. I changed mine to Playmate. 
You did? Well, why didn't you tell me? Gosh, I don't know. I don't know who's going to win. Well, the race starts in a couple of minutes. Let's go over and grab a hot dog. I'm starved. Okay, but I won't enjoy it. Hey, buddy, come here a minute. What do you want? I got a hot tip for you in the first race. A horse called Barcarole. Barcarole? You just told me Neat Grant was going to win. Oh, are you the guy? Pardon me. <laughs> I'm sorry I came out here at all. Oh, huh? come on, Jack. Let's grab a hot dog. It's too late now, Mary. The horses are lining up. Well, I'm hungry. Here's a stand right here. All right, hurry up, mister. Give us two hot dogs and plenty of mustard. Okay, here you are. Here's a quarter. Keep the change. Come on, Mary. Let's get up close to the rail. Huh? Wait for me. Hey, I'm nervous. I wonder if I did right to switching from playmate to knee grass. You'll find out. Gosh, I'm excited. Mary, give me the binoculars. Here you are. Thanks. Mary, that's the hot dog. Now my face is full of mustard. <laughs> Darn it. Go on. That's the healthiest you've looked all year. <laughs> That's so. Give me your field glasses. Look, Mary, me Gret is number seven. Gee, that's a swell position. When they break, he'll be on the outside. There they go. Gee, there they go, Mary. Come on, Playmate. Hey, Blake. Young Price takes the lead. Miranda second by two lengths. City Slicker third by a length and a half. Come on, me Come on, Playmate. They're coming into the half. Young Price is leading by two lengths. Miranda second and Barker third, but moving up fast. And here comes Rosalie from the picture of the same name. <laughs> Rosalie? Come on, play me, play me, play me. Hey, where's Negret? At the three quarters, it's Miranda in the lead. Negret second. Come on, Negret! Parkerol third, July 4th, and Louis the 16th. <laughs> Louis the 16th, that's a mistake. Well, I'm only human. It's a fine race. Look, they're coming in. You said it, sister. Verinda first by length, Playmate second, and coming up fast. Playmate! Oh, my two dollars. Why didn't I bet on her? Playmate, come on! Gee, I'm afraid of look. And here's the winner. It's Playmate first by a nose. You see, Don, that's exactly what happened to me last Friday at Santa Anita. Oh, that's too bad, Jack. You should have followed your hunch. Why, certainly. Come in. Say, buddy, I got a hot tip for you in the second race. You can't lose. Right? Oh, oh it's terrific. Will you play? for a swell new dessert that's delicious and tempting, here's the answer. It's called Apricot Bavarian Cream, and it's one of the grandest desserts you've ever enjoyed, made with luscious strawberry jello, whipped cream, and apricots. And here's what you do. Dissolve one package of strawberry jello and chill until slightly thickened. Then fold in three-fourths of a cup of whipped cream, a cup and a half of cooked apricots, mashed, and a half a cup of sugar. Mold until firm, and you have the swellest dessert you've seen in a long time. It's a rich, creamy rose color, 
And it's a perfect flavor combination for apricots and strawberry jello taste simply grand together. Just be sure to make your apricot Bavarian cream with genuine jello. For there's only one jello, and only jello brings you that delicious extra rich fruit flavor. Ask your grocer for jello. number of the 19th program in the new Jell-O series, and we'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. And the moral of our little playlet is, never bet on a sure thing, unless you're sure it's a sure thing. What's that, Mary? Your horse just came in. I knew he'd come through. Good night, folks. Baker appears on the Jell-O program through courtesy of Mervyn Leroy Productions. This is the National Broadcasting Company. <laughs>